0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good
1: morning, church. This morning our reading is taken from Genesis 25, and we're going to be reading from verses 19 to 34. So if you've got your Bible or your device, please follow along. Genesis 25, verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. And the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob, a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the, the red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear it to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Shall we pray? Father God, we want to thank you and praise you this morning that we can gather in your house, in your name. To praise your name, to worship you, and to listen to your word, we thank you for bringing each each person here this morning and all those who are watching online. It is by no accident that we are here, but you've brought us together, and we just ask that you would humble our hearts as we as we worship you and, and listen to your word this morning for those who who are not with us. Um, this morning we just ask that you would continue to to provide for them and be with them father god and we think of those in special need of prayer um, going through health concerns right now and we just we just lift them up we all know who they are father god and we just lift them up to you may you comfort them and give them peace and strength as they deal with with the, the struggles before them father god we just thank you for our church and the ministries here Um, We just ask that you would continue to guide us, guide the leadership, um, give them direction. And we just pray that that your word is proclaimed here and outside of these four walls on this island. We think now of of the the kids going downstairs, we just ask for your blessing over the teachers and may your word be be proclaimed to, to these young hearts. And be with Pastor Paul as he brings your word to us now. We ask for your blessing over it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
0: All right, this, this Sunday, we're starting a, a series through, through the lives of Isaac and Jacob, all right? Um, it's a 95-week series. <laughs> I would never do that to you, okay? You know, you know there's something wrong if, I, I, if I'm serious when I announce something like that, okay? Okay. It's probably going to take us around 10, 11 weeks uh, to go through this, bring us right up to the Easter, Easter season, okay? Um, uh, but uh, Isaac is, is obviously Abraham and Sarah's son. We went, we went through that last year, uh, last winter. Um, and uh, Isaac is the one God had promised to, to them who would carry the future blessing to all the earth. Uh, Isaac, though, seems to be more of a, of a transitional figure um, into, the, into the life of Jacob, which, which is, is a lot more detailed, uh, whereas the life of Abraham was definitely more focused on him and, and his wife. The, the life of, of Isaac is more focused on this family of four. Uh, through Isaac's life, you'll, you'll notice some similarities reminding us uh, that our, our upbringing shapes us as adults. If, if you want to understand why you do the things that you do, try looking back at how you were raised, and you may find some clarity there. Today we're going to look at three main points. Uh, the family dynamic is the first point, and there's there's two subpoints with that it's one is healthy and one is dysfunctional, okay secondly we'll look at the harvest from the home and then thirdly, the unstoppable gospel, the unstoppable good news. all right let's start with that family dynamic and and this is the good. Healthy dynamic that, that we'll begin with. Um, Isaac got married to Rebecca at the age of 40 years old. Okay, so you know, if you're not married and you're in your late 30s, that's all right, you're, you're in good company. You're in good company, okay? If you desire to be married, okay? Uh, let, let me read verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Does that remind you of another couple, perhaps? It should remind you of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham inquired of the Lord about his wife's barrenness, and... um, He was assured by the Lord of a child. However, Abraham and Sarah thought the child might come through another woman. And so she gave Abraham her maidservant, Hagar. And if you remember, that just caused a big mess. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. And his prayer was answered and she conceived. Much different from, from Abraham, much different from the Abraham narrative. What, what a great start for Isaac and Rebecca here. But, but there's something that makes this even more impressive. Okay, that More impressive that Isaac prayed and, and it was answered. And, and it's at the end of verse 26. It says, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them, when she bore the children. Isaac got married, remember, at 40. And in this, in this time, you, you didn't you sort of say, well, let's wait like, you know, seven years before we have some kids. No, you wanted your children right away, okay? Isaac got married at 40, and she didn't give birth till he was 60. Okay, that means that Isaac prayed for his wife to have a child for almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. What, what patience, what perseverance, what an example. You, you know that Isaac learned the importance of waiting on the Lord. He must have learned it as he grew up with his half-brother Ishmael, who mocked him. He, he would have seen the whole mess that the whole Hagar thing created. No doubt he saw the strife between his mother and, and Abraham's slave wife. I, I can't imagine him saying to himself, before, before he ever got married, that, that he would never walk down that same road that his father walked down in taking another wife in order to get children. Right? That, that's often true for us, too. You know, we, we often have things that we experienced or saw in our childhood that, that make us firmly chart a different course for our life. You see that and you're like, no, 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 I'm not going down that road, I'm, this is, uh, I'm doing it this way. It's probably true, isn't it? There's probably some things you can, you can think of that, that uh, I, I know for me it's true, okay? And, and, that's, and that's, that's wonderful when we see those things clearly and, and try to avoid those, those same mistakes. Thank God for those things you have recognized and, and broken those patterns within your family. Now now the pregnancy, however, was not going well for Rebecca. Let me read verse 22. "The children struggled together within her, and she said, "If it is thus, why is this happening to me?" So she went to inquire of the Lord. So, so the children struggled together within her could, could, that, I feel like that's a little mild. It could also be translated the children were, were striking or crushing together. Right? There, there, was, there was a, her womb was like a wrestling ring. There, were, there was a battle royale going on. She, and So she's obviously greatly concerned. Um, she doesn't know she's having twins, okay, but she's greatly concerned as any expected mother would be with, with that, something like that going on within the womb. She realizes that her pregnancy is an answer to prayer. So if that's the case, she doesn't understand why this might be happening, right? How could I be losing the baby? Like we my husband prayed for me for 20 years and I conceived. Her alarm is growing. So she asks of the Lord. Another great example. Another great example to follow. Verse. 23 and the Lord said to her two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided the one shall be stronger than the other the older shall serve the younger so so she learns that that nothing is wrong with her pregnancy but that she is having twins and that they're already at each other. All right? Further, we're told that the older shall serve the younger. Right? The, the, the prominent status quo in this time and culture is, is that the oldest is to have the greater influence and, and inheritance, and that he would one day replace the father as the head of the home. He was given a double portion of the inheritance. It, it's, it was clearly sort of the cultural way, and it would be the way for Israel as well, as a, as a nation in the future. There would be a law that would say such in Deuteronomy. But God usurps this pattern here, and he does so over and over and over again. Let me, sh- let me just sort of point out a few ways he's done it so far uh, through our study in Genesis. You might not think of this, but the animals actually came before the humans, okay? Yet humanity is clearly given dominion over the earth. There's, there's one right there. The, the, that principle of like, I was here first, doesn't count. Doesn't work. God usurps it. Cain. Cain was the firstborn to Adam and Eve. He offers a sacrifice. He offers his sacrifice first. But his younger brother, Abel's sacrifice, which is offered afterwards, is the one that is is accepted. There's another case right there. Ishmael is Abraham's firstborn. But Isaac is the child of promise. And, and, and then we see it here with Esau and Jacob and then we see it again and again and again through the Bible. Why does God do this? Why, why does God do this? The, well, the, the Bible actually gives the answer to this exact question using the example of Esau and Jacob, the, the, the twin boys. In Romans chapter 9 this is a pretty heavy chapter okay so let me just look at a few verses Romans 9 verse 10 starting in verse 10 and not only so but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man our forefather Isaac though they were not yet born and had done nothing neither good nor bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. It's the exact quote from Genesis 25. The answer answer here in Romans 9 boils down to basically just two words, God's choice. God's choice. And and the next verse in Romans 9 answers the the thought of, wait a minute, this doesn't seem fair. The the next verse answers the thought of injustice. Verse 14, and, and I'll read 15 as well. What then shall we say? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have Mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. This is is good news. This is good news for us. It, It means that God doesn't pick favorites, God has no privileged positions within your family or within his family. Being born of Abraham or Isaac or being the oldest, is not enough. Being from a Christian family or going to a Christian school is not enough to receive God's blessing. It is only by God's grace alone that we can be blessed. And that's good news. And this grace will look even more amazing when we continue to check out Isaac's family. Let's look at the next three verses in Genesis 25, verses 24 to 26. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And this, this, part, this part is very interesting. Uh, Esau comes out first, and then Jacob emerges holding the heel of his brother. Uh, there, there is obviously some foreshadowing going on here that we become aware of later, uh, very soon. Um, but to grab someone's heel is a picture of deception picture of deceiving someone. Jacob is immediately seen as a deceiver right out of the womb. Right out of the womb. If you're a parent, can I remind you that your children are natural born sinners? They, they, They have foolishness bound up inside them. And we as parents need to be, be aware of that when, when they disobey and have their attitudes. But also, but also, you are prone to not handle that well because you too are a sinner. That's, that's, why, that's why it's messy in the family. Or it can be. You know, don't, don't expect... Don't expect more of your children. Meet them where they are and show them the grace they need as you correct them because, because you need that same grace shown to you as well. I, I, I know that is easier said than done when you're like when you've had it. But but we want to be people that that shine forth the gospel light of grace and truth. Both of those things. Grace and truth. Right? That's that's what we desire to do. So Rebecca knows what's going to happen with her two sons. She she knows what's she knows God's plan. Like the the older is not going to be the the one of prominence. He's not the, the child of who will get the blessing it will be her younger son and I can only assume that she tells her husband I, it doesn't say but I can only assume she does she knows it's gonna be rough because of what's going on there and they're gonna have to work together to, to parent these two clashing boys but look what happens. And, he, and here's where the family dynamic turns from healthy to dysfunctional. Okay, So you can change the subpoint now. Genesis 25, 27, and 28. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. While Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. The boys couldn't be more different. Right, one is a, is a hairy outdoorsman, and the other, the other is a homebody. Because of the stark difference, Isaac and Rebecca gravitate toward their favorites. My guess is that Isaac gave most of his attention to Esau, because that was his favorite. And Rebecca gave most of her attention to Jacob because that was her favorite. Isaac and Rebecca, knowing what they know from God's revelation to them about the boys, could have worked together to help Esau understand that his brother is going to be greater than him. But if he, as the older brother, blesses his younger brother, he too will be blessed. That was the whole Abrahamic thing, right? Like, Abraham, everybody who blesses you, I will bless. Everyone who curses you, I will curse. That's that's the whole idea here. That's what should have been taught in the home. They didn't have to go with the cultural paradigm. They could have changed things around, but they don't. Instead of working together, They divide, they divide. Parents, here's another good reminder for us. We should not pick favorites. You know, the the solution, and and I I heard this from somebody else who heard it from somebody else so I can't give a quote, okay? But the solution is not to, to love your children equally, but to love them uniquely. What do I mean? Well, y- you have to love your children in the way that makes them feel most loved. So, so there will be crossover with some things, but, but you need, but- because some need more of your presence. Some need more of your words. Some need more of your hugs. <laughs> love your children uniquely, and you'll avoid the trap of favoritism. But Esau, as daddy's favorite, sets the stage for what's next. And that's the harvest from the home. Every home yields a harvest. Whatever you plant in the home, you will harvest in the home. Plant favoritism. Harvest strife. Jacob does not have his father's favour. And that's a big deal for a young boy. He's going to act out in some way because of this. And this is this is not an excuse for what Jacob will do, but it does explain why he does what he does. Let me, let me read the whole last section to you, verses 29 to 34, just so we get it all in one chunk, get the, the, get the feel of it. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You know, in, in, the, in the Genesis narrative, there's there's not many places where we get commentary. But here's one of them right at the end here. And so it must be a pretty important one. Esau despised his birthright. Shows where his heart is, doesn't it? But this thing about this, this whole account here, the the, the, the the skilled hunter Esau, obviously wasn't that skilled because he comes back empty handed from the field, no kill. Okay, so he's, he's famished because he's obviously been doing it a while and, and been unsuccessful. He sees Jacob cooking and asks for some of that, that red stew. It's, it's actually just literally translated red, red. It's almost like he's almost grunting, like, give me some of that red, red. And <laughs> kind it of, kind of fits that sort of red, hairy, you know, beast of a man. Jacob sees sees a moment here. He sees a moment to take advantage of his brother and and asks him to sell him his birthright as the oldest. And and then Esau's reply, well, I'm I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. (laughs) Now, surely you know children exaggerate. Surely he was not about to die. Okay, I think I think Mom and Dad would have stepped in in some way, or he would have crawled to them. Uh, if he was if he was if if he was really about to die, would he still be on his feet? Okay, a little water, a little rest uh, would probably have sustained him just fine till till the next meal. But Jacob sees the weakness and capitalizes on it. Swear to me now, and Esau does. Jacob gives him bread and that red red, which, which we find out is only lentil stew. I mean, it's not even meat. What a bad deal, right? And in this final cold scene, Esau ate, drank, rose, and went his way. Boy, doesn't that just sound ominous? This is a cold scene there. You know, we can easily make bad deals like this. It, it happens when we, when we too exaggerate our current circumstances causing us to make decisions we regret. Right? For example, you know, your, is your marriage bad? If, if it gets a little more difficult, and you start talking to other people who sympathize with you, before you know it, you are flirting with ideas that you never thought you would. That's just one example. Your, your situation may be bad right now, but it is never as bad as you think it is. And, and if you try to take some shortcut to, to seemingly fix your situation, you'll end up on a street called regret. Beware, beware of the temptation of now. Right? Does, that, does that make sense? If you take the shortcut to what you think is the blessing, you will lose the joy because you left behind the blesser. Don't fall into that trap of the temptation of now, like Esau. But let's not put all the focus on Esau, okay? What about Jacob here? With, with Rebekah as Jacob's favorite, there... There's no doubt in my mind that, that she told him about God's message of Esau serving him. But again, he doesn't have his father's favor, and he's the head of the home, and so that what, that's what counts. So you know there's stuff going on in his mind, right? How is this going to work? Like, if I'm the youngest, and Dad likes, dad likes Esau, like, this, this isn't going to work. How is this going to work? That's what he's thinking, no doubt. So... So instead of Jacob resting in the promise of God that was told to him by his mother, he schemes to get his brother to swear away his birthright. Right? The, the, the thing is, like, can you even do that? Can, can you sell a birthright? You could, you could say, I, I sell it to you, but technically you're still the firstborn, right? Esau will always be the firstborn. What matters, what matters here, and Jacob missed this, what matters here is that God said the older shall serve the younger. So the birthright doesn't even matter here. Yet because of this dysfunctional family dynamic, this is the road it's going down. This is the road Jacob chooses to deceive, to scheme against his brother. Jacob fails to trust God by trying to get on his own what God can only give. How often do we do that? How often do we do that? How often do we try to manipulate the situation to make it go in our favor? Because that's what looks best for us. That seems like the path. Instead of trusting God for his good will to be done, even if it doesn't look that good to us. I think that's probably even more common than the the temptation of now. But thankfully, we have unstoppable good news. We have an unstoppable gospel that runs all the way from Genesis uh, chapter three from the promise of a seed and it runs through even to Jacob and Esau. Jacob does not deserve to be the son of promise and to be blessed and carry the blessing to all the nations of the world. Jacob is a deceiver. And we have only seen one one other deceiver near this same caliber in Genesis thus far And that's the serpent in Eden. The son of promise is a snake of a man. Yet God had mercy upon him. And despite his scheming to obtain the blessing, God would eventually show him that only true blessing comes from him alone. God faithfully works through this dysfunctional family and and countless more to bring the promise all the way to its completion, which was the coming of Jesus himself. Unlike Esau, Jesus would willingly, willingly give up his birthright as the only Son of God, who alone possesses the favor of God the Father. He would give that up for us in exchange for something far less lovely than a bowl of lentil stew. He would exchange it for something that nobody wants, our depravity. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus, unlike Jacob, did not take advantage of anyone to to secure his rightful authority, but humbled himself and came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. No matter if we are like Isaac or Rebecca. Esau or Jacob, through Jesus, we can be blessed by God through his mercy and grace. That's the good news we all need. If you have it, rejoice in it. If you don't, come to Jesus and receive it. Let us pray. Father, thank you uh, for this family that you, that you highlight so honestly for us in the pages of the Bible. If this, if this was our family story, we, we would not be willing to put it out there like this. But Father, you show us that, that these families are, are not far and few between, but more common than we think. And it's because of the fact that that we are all born with that that natural tendency to to scheme and think about self and to clash with one another. But thank you that through this line you brought the seed of promise, Jesus Christ, who would be like no one else and who, who through him could bring us into a family that is not dysfunctional but perfect and eternal. Thank you that all who have trusted, believed, and received Christ have that joy of being part of that family. And I pray for each one now who have not received and believed in Jesus Christ that they too would do that and and become part of that family. Knowing that, that when they do, your favor will rest upon you, or will rest upon them for all eternity. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.